All right, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm, I want to continue with our Sermon on the Mount this morning. Uh, we stopped at Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20, and I believe that uh, Matthew 5, 17 through 20 is a prelude to Matthew 5, 21 to, the, uh, to uh, Matthew 7, 29. In Matthew 5, 20, it says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I believe that uh, this verse should lead us to a couple of questions. The two that I want to focus on today is what kind of righteousness did the scribes and the Pharisees have and what kind of righteousness is needed to enter the kingdom of, the kingdom of God? And so let me begin by asking our uh, let's begin by asking ourselves what exactly is a Pharisee. Well, I'm going to use Jeff Foxworthy as a segue into the uh, our verse today uh, because he was crafty in some of his sayings. He knows that uh, he's he's known for his uh, Bible trivia TV show uh, and for his redneck jokes. Uh, I'm going to use his redneck jokes. So if you're a if you have a single wide trailer that has a walkout basement, then you might be a redneck. If you own two trucks and they both sit in your yard on cinder blocks, you just might be a redneck. If all of your tubbleware says Cool Whip, <laughs> then you might be a redneck. If you've ever been pulled over speeding with the mattress tied to your roof, you just might be a redneck. Well, I want to use the same idea to see if you might be a Pharisee. If you replace God's law with your made man rules, then you might be a Pharisee. If you build fence laws and you have more fence laws than you do God's law, you might just be a Pharisee. If you preach a false gospel, you might be a Pharisee. If you are a self-appointed biblical authoritarian, you just might be a Pharisee. If you are only concerned about outward appearance, then you just might be a Pharisee. So I think all of these build a web of lies that you can really talk about, that you really can't talk about one in the exclusions of others. But I do believe that the main thing that Jesus is confronting in the Sermon on the Mount is this idea of outward righteousness, of this outward appearance. All of their authority, all of their fence laws, even their false gospel was the tool to maintain their outward self-righteousness. And so I want to... Uh, I also believe, I should say, uh, that we need to, to heed the warning here because we, by nature, focus more on what is seen than what is unseen. We like to compare ourselves uh, with other people, and the only thing that we have to compare ourselves is the outward appearance of things. We don't pay attention to the motive of our heart. We don't pay attention to the intentions of our heart. We're just concerned about the right and wrong that we do in our outward appearance. 
What we think, what we feel, what we decide is just as important to God as what we do. Listen to this. God is not just concerned with how we appear, but who we really are. He's not just concerned about how we appear. He's concerned about who we really are. Think with me for a moment about parenting. Our responsibility as parents is to shepherd the child's heart. We should be concerned with their heart. But how many times do we discipline our children based on just the outward rights and wrongs? Right? Because other people are watching and you're misbehaving in church. Stop. Don't do that. Right? Or, or we're just simply embarrassed because we have some kind of a standard of our own that now our children are breaking and it's embarrassing us because other people see it. And so we discipline based on, you just embarrassed me. And that's the far as the, as the discipline goes. Every rule broken by our children should receive parental correction and biblical correction. Obeying your parents is breaking God's command. And the heart is the ultimate thing that needs to be addressed. The easy road, spankings is the easy road. Spankings are easy and they're quick, but shepherding the child's heart requires deep, loving commitment to God and to your children. I think my biggest failure as a pastor, or as a husband, or as a father is not loving at a level deep enough to shepherd the hearts of the people that God has given me. It requires long, patient love, not just short outbursts of temper or attitude. Spankings, winning an argument with your spouse, winning a, date, uh, a debate with fellow Christians uh, is not really our goal. It is getting to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. Jesus is patient, long-suffering, and wants to shepherd your heart, not micromanage your outward actions or your self-righteousness. So here in Matthew chapter 5, 21 and following, Jesus is going to correct the Pharisees' teaching and explain to us the heart of the matter. This is a topical message that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to use 5, 21 to 26 as a segue into, into our message. So turn with me to 5, 21. It says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell, the, the uh, hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put to prison. Truly I say to you, you uh, will never get uh, out until you have paid the last penny. Now, I'm going to use this as a segue because what I want to answer first and foremost is what all of these topics are going to be about. Next week, I'm going to preach this actual um, text that I just read, uh, but I want to show you what I think the entire Sermon on the Mount is trying to accomplish. It's not 
he's fighting against outward righteousness and is, is dealing with the heart. So let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this time to come to you in your word. We ask, Father, for you to teach us. Uh, Father, help us to be aware of your standard. Uh, Father, that we will allow the word of God to discern our hearts, that we may repent of our sins so that we won't be just focused on the outward appearance of things, uh, but, Lord, we will shepherd our own hearts, uh, shepherd our children's hearts, shepherd, shepherd our spouse's heart, and shepherd one another's heart as a group of believers, Lord. So we commit our time to you and ask, Father, for your blessings to be upon us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to begin um, by considering the phrase, and we see it several times uh, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is, you have heard that it was said to those of old. I, I, I do not think that Jesus Christ is referring to the law or the Old Testament, and I don't think that he is raising the bar or raising the standard here. Okay, because if he's raising, if the New Testament is raising the standard of the Old Testament, that means that the Old Testament uh, is, is a lesser standard or is not as important as that, that's, and that's not the case. Matthew chapter 4 is when the Spirit of God led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And when Jesus referred directly to the, to the Word of God, he said, as it is written, as it is written. It's very important. In other places, like in Mark chapter 7 and verse 10, uh, verse 10, when he referred back to the teaching in the Old Testament, he would say, Moses said. But here, he says, you have heard that it was said of those of old. And he's talking about the Pharisees' outward righteousness and missing the inward righteousness. So I think that we could paraphrase this to say, you have heard that it was said by your religious teachers of old, right? So he's correcting the religious teaching of old. He's not just contradicting, he's not just contradicting what the Old Testament said. The Old Testament and the New Testament are unified in what it teaches, and that's the main thing that I want, uh, I want you to see this morning before we get into the, uh, into the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so... Uh, if you think about the, the scribes and the Pharisees and their self-righteousness, outward righteousness, I can do the same thing here. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can raise your hand in your soul if you like. Uh, but how many have never killed? I bet you everybody in here, I bet there's nobody in here that took out a knife, took out a gun, and killed anybody. So all of you, by the Pharisee standard, are righteous. Right? Jesus says... But how many of you all have been angry with someone? And if you have, you're a murderer at heart. See, that's what they were missing. They were just focused on the outward appearance of things. How many of you all have ever, don't ask, don't raise your hand, committed fornication or adultery? Well, many of the self-righteous Pharisees, or we could say many Catholic popes perhaps, they never done that. But how many rolled around in their mind lust? in images, in desires, in, the head, in their head, over in their heart, over and over and over again. Right? Jesus says that if you have ran these images over in your mind, you're an adulterer at heart. You don't even have to do the outward act. 
And again, he's not raising the standard of the Bible here, right? He's confronting the false teaching, the wrong teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. So can you see that Jesus wasn't correcting the Old Testament or teaching something new or raising the standard? Okay, so we want to we look at this question. Or we want to look at this word heart. And we want to decide or we want to think about what it means. Now there's only about two or three places in scriptures where it literally talks about the heart muscle. Only two or three places. In all other places, when he talks about the heart, the heart is the, the, the being of man. It's who you really are. Okay? So for definition, let's use this one. The heart, according to the Bible, is man's spiritual makeup. It is the place where emotions and desires begin. It is that which drives the will of man towards action. The heart of man is described in the Bible, it's described in the Bible, is primarily a spiritual organ that drives man's behavior. It's what drives man's behavior. There's a, there's a verse in Ephesians I just, I just thought about. Uh, I don't think I wrote it down here. Uh, but it says the spirit of your mind. right? So there's, there's your mind, and then there's the spirit of the mind. It is, it is where the thoughts seem to generate and come into your mind. And then from that, you evaluate them, and then you have intentions and motives and desires and things, and things like that. So it's the very center of your being that results in all that you are. Right? And so you can be a scoundrel and you can still say things that are nice and you still do things that are, that are nice. Okay? It's, it's, it's hard to discern right away when somebody comes to your house and s trying to sell you something to determine whether it's fraud because they're, they're pressuring you to make the decisions to do something and you don't have time impatience to wait to see what the individual the individual's intent was i can remember when amy and i got married we did our we were given a a gift from my mom uh, to go down to fort lauderdale and it was a free uh, vacation all you had to do was sit through a timeshare and uh yes we bought it unfortunately uh but but it, you know the pressure that happens. You're sitting in this room about this size. There's tables all around. Everybody's trying to sell. There's, there's chaos everywhere. There's people that are ringing the bells when somebody purchases and buys. And you, can't, you walk out of here today, you're not going to get the same, you, you're not going to get the same deal. And you're pressured and you don't have time to think. You don't have time to look at what's really going on. And then you buy and then a couple years down the road, you find out what a miserable mistake you made. And listen, how many times have you gotten into a situation with another individual and you were hastened to make a decision and then later you found out what a dumb decision if I would have just waited? I've learned from that experience. You can call me on the phone and you can beg me to buy something, but I won't buy over the phone. I just refuse to take any kind of a pressure situation and determine to buy something because I know, I, I know now what it's, what it's all about. Okay, so we need, to, we need to take the time to, to know the heart. Okay, so if we go back to Jeremiah, now you can go back, Deut when, I, when I was preparing for this lesson, 
I didn't want to flip all over the all over the Bible and, and get you chasing scriptures. Um, but as I was as I, as I was studying this, one, the Old Testament and New Testament is completely unified. We have sixty six books, and all of them pretty much teach the same thing. So we can go to Deuteronomy. There's a lot of verses in Deuteronomy, just like the ones I'm reading here in, in Jeremiah. Uh, but Jeremiah and Deuteronomy, I think, were the most thorough in what my attentions were, were today. So the first thing that I want us to see and to understand is that our heart is desperately wicked. So turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, and I will read the Bible verse that says exactly that. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick or desperately wicked, who can understand it? Now that's important for us because what we need to understand is that our problem is that we are corrupt, that we are sinful by nature. The reason why our, our, our uh, righteousness is nothing but filthy rags in God's sight is because the issue is not the thing that we're doing. The issue is the people that we are. That's the difficult thing uh, or the difficult reality to grasp and, and to understand. I don't want to look up all of these scriptures, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says that the heart is a product of Adam, right? We all sinned in Adam. We have a corrupt na nature because Adam sinned in the beginning. He is our federal head. I won't get into the theological thing. But anyway, he represented us. He represented us in the Garden of Eden. And when he sinned, we all became sinners. Sin entered the world through Adam. From Adam until today, we have been uh, uh, being born or conceived in iniquity, which is the next verse there in Psalm 51, verse 5. I think I uh, spoke last time and somebody over here was chiming in, but... When you have a male dog and a female dog, what do you have? Puppies. If you have a male bird and a female bird, what do you have? Little birdies. If you have a male sinner and a female sinner, what do you have? You have a little sinner. Right? And that's basically what we're producing. Everybody is producing little sinners. We are sinful by nature. Right? We sin because we, we're, we're a sinner. Right? We don't become a sinner because we sin. We are sinning because we're already sinners. It's because of our corrupt heart. That's who we are as, as, uh, as individuals. The, the heart makes us a sinner by nature. The heart causes us, to, uh, causes us to sin. Let me go back to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, we're going to look at verse 6. It says, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Okay, so our iniquities just take us away into sin. Right? The Bible says that, we were that Jesus was tempted in every way that we were, but was without sin. Okay, the only thing different I won't say the only thing, but one of the things that is different about Jesus is that there was nothing in Jesus for sin or Satan to grab a hold of that will take him away anywhere. Because he did not have a sin nature. So there was nowhere to take Jesus sinfully in a sinful direction. But we have in our very nature within us 
something that will take us into sin if we're not watchful and mindful uh, of, the, of the heart. So the heart causes us to sin, which is important because, I'm, because the health, wealth, and prosperity, the name it and claim it, uh, the, the send me positive vibes, uh, God's love overemphasized like Joe Osteen, I think is, is terrible at shepherding the heart of people. Jesus said that only sick people will seek a physician. Right? You don't seek a physician if you're well. I mean, I, I didn't start going to the doctors until I hit 45 because I, I, there was no need to seek after a physician because I didn't think I was sick. Right? But when you understand that your deepest problem is the fact that you have a sin nature, that you're corrupted to the center of your core, and the only person that can save you from that particular sin is Jesus Christ. Then you will seek him out. And we don't seek him until we realize that. So all of that TBN junk is just totally detrimental to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's probably why so many people despise the church because that's their definition of what the church is. And that is nowhere near the definition of what the church really is. So if you are going to shepherd your child's heart, then they don't need positive thoughts and they don't need to improve their self-esteem. They need to know that they are sinners and enemies of God in need of a Savior. Right now, how is that done? It's done just like we're doing here this morning. We're going to the Word of God and we're looking at it. We're, we're repenting and confessing our sins right before our children to let them know, listen, you're no different than us. We're just as sick as you are. We're, a sin, we're two sinners and when we conceive you, we made you and you're a sinner. And just like we confessed our sins and we repented of our sins and we accepted Jesus Christ and now we're saved, you need to do that too. And I say we don't need to love or improve self-esteem or have positive thoughts. It's, it's not about being ignorant or being evil or a dictator towards our children. It's about just teaching them the truth, shepherding their heart, not just managing their outward actions and their act, act, outward sins. So do not ever hide or protect your children from the word of God. Preach it to them exactly word for word. All right, next we want to look at uh, Christ, or the, the heart must change. The heart must change. 24, Jeremiah 24 and verse 7. Again, the only thing that I want you to see is the Old Testament is exactly like the New Testament and that Jesus was... was uh, teaching the disciples, excuse me, teaching the uh, Pharisees uh, that their doctrine was wrong, that their teachers have been wrong, and they are, in fact, wrong. So Jeremiah chapter 24 and verse 7, it says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Okay, so there needs to be a change that needs to take place place and the only way for them to recognize for us or anybody to know that they need to change is they need to know that there's something wrong and until they know that there's something wrong they won't see that there is a need of a change and God is the only one that is capable of changing so go back to Jeremiah 17 uh, we just read that we live Jeremiah 17 9 now we're going to look at the heart will be judged by God okay let me read the whole the two, two verses. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind 
to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Right? Now, when we hold somebody accountable, what do they say? Judge not lest ye be judged. Only God's my judge. Yes, he is. Only God is your judge, and he's not going to judge your outward appearance. He's going to judge your heart. He's going to judge your motive. He's going to judge your attentions. He's going to judge your passions. And then he's going to determine whether the righteousness was good or not. Right? So Jesus is going to have a much higher judgment because we can only, you and I, we can only see the outward appearance of things, but God is going to judge the heart. And we have to listen to God's judgment. We have to listen to his word and what he's saying about our heart. Don't listen to your own heart. Don't listen to what somebody else says is about your heart. Listen to God and what his word says about your heart and believe it and understand it. Right? If it says that it's wicked, it's wicked. Don't question God. Don't ask God. Believe that it's wicked. Turn to him. Repent because he sent Jesus Christ to repair what is wrong with your heart. Okay, uh, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 23, the heart is stubborn and rebellious. 5.23. It says, but this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. They have turned aside and gone away. Okay, now, when it talks about stubborn and rebellious, when it talks about uh, you have a hard heart, you think about a hard heart, it talks about a heart of, of stone, what is it? It doesn't, it can't penetrate. Right, so when you're stubborn, what are you resisting? You're resisting what the Word of God says about your heart. You're resisting the Holy Spirit that is discerning your heart, and they're rebellious, they don't want to hear, they don't want to listen to what the Word of God has to say about them, and so they rebel against it. They're, they're refusing to submit to God and listen to his, to his word. That's the only reason why we're stubborn and rebellious. is because our heart is, is hard and, and, we, and we resist. Jeremiah chapter 30. 31 verse 19. And so for after I have turned away, I relented. And after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed and I was confounded because I bored. And just, what am I doing wrong here? That, that verse is not the right one. Okay, well, 31.19, the heart will see its sinfulness. I think I wrote the wrong verse down there, but uh, let's go back to 29 and verse 13. The heart, once changed, will see God. 29 and verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your, all of your heart. Now, the, the Bible says over in Romans chapter 3 that no one seeks after God, right? And, and, uh, and they'll say, well, well, I know a guy that's seeking God. He, he quit his job, and he's traveling all over India, and he's talking to all the gurus and going to all the religions trying to find God. They're not going to find God there, and they're not seeking God there. Listen, the only time that you can seek God is when you find Jesus Christ. When you, when, when you find Jesus Christ, that's when the seeking begins. And if you seek with all of your heart, knowing Jesus Christ, through his word, you will find God. It's a guarantee. If you study the word of God, you have the spirit of God, you're going to find God in scriptures. That's a, that's a promise. 
Okay, so, so once you are saved, then you can see and find God in the pages of scriptures, and that's what he, what he desires. So not only is the heart desperately wicked, not only does the heart need to change, but the heart must be examined. The heart must be examined. We already read Jeremiah chapter 19. Um, the heart, once changed, must continue to examine itself. It must continue to be examined. Uh, First, second, second Corinthians 13, 5 says to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. That is present tense. It didn't say days gone by, you should have examined yourself. It says present tense, right now, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. How do you know if you're in the faith? If you have Christ and if you're seeking him with your, with your whole heart. And that's, that's key. Again, back to Jeremiah 17 in, in verse 10, we just read it. But the heart is searched by God, and we have to relent, or we have to give in to uh, what God's word says about our own heart. The heart is searched by God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we know that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts complete to the heart, complete to the, to the soul and the spirit, and it lays itself open before God. The, the word of God examines your heart. That's what we're here today for. That's the reason why we study scriptures. We want God to examine our heart. And we should be asking God, search me to see if there's any wicked way within me. We want him to, we want him to search our heart. Because it's necessary. The, word, uh, the heart is searched by God. The word, excuse me, the heart is searched by God's word. And the word is searched by the Holy Spirit. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me because there's another verse that I want you to see while we're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and through 16, the heart is searched by the Spirit of God. It says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guys in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. I urge you then to be imitators of me. But go back to, to, to verse 3 through 5 now. It says, With me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who, who judges me. Okay, and that's important because it mentions two things. One, it says, I am not judged by any man. And what I think he means by that is that he doesn't pay attention to negative or positive thoughts. He's not paying attention to anybody that condemns him, and he's not there paying attention to anybody that is going to praise him. Because they could, you, you, could, you could praise me for the sermon that I preached today, and not be aware of all the things that I did this morning that corrupted me. You, you can say negative things about me. And I used, to, I used to do this when I was younger. I mean, emotionally, if somebody praised me, I'd go way up. 
Uh, if, somebody, if somebody said something bad, I'd go way down. It was like doom and gloom to, to high exaltation. And then I learned, you know what? I don't have to listen to what people think. What I need to listen to is what the Word of God says, what the Holy Spirit says. And then it goes on to say, I don't even judge myself. The only way it means by that, we can't even accept our self-judgment. In other words, uh, we spin everything into our favor. Always, all the time. Right? When my wife says something to me, well, you did this, automatically. Well, what about what you did? Automatically. We're just spinning it. We're just making ourselves look good. Right? Staying around church, somebody says something, well, what about that person? Or what about, we're always spinning it. We can't even judge ourselves accurately. And Paul says, listen, I don't listen to what anybody else says. I don't listen to what my own mind says. I listen to what the Word of God says. I listen to what the Spirit of God is discerned as it discerns my heart. So we can't trust others' examination of us, and we can't even trust our own examination of ourselves. We can only trust God's evaluation of ourselves through scriptures and his word. Therefore, we have to also guard our heart. The heart must be guarded. Now, if you think about Jesus when he said, if your eye sins, gouge it out because it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. Or if your hand sins, whack it off because it's better to go to heaven with one arm than to go to hell with two. He's not teaching us that we need to gouge out eyes and cut off arms, but he is teaching us a very important principle when it comes to guarding our heart. When you have a uh, cut on your hand that you can't stop, what do you do? You apply an tourniquet to keep you from bleeding out. What happens when you keep that tourniquet on too long? Your limb dies and falls off, right? So I think the principle that they're saying is, listen, your heart gives life to everything. Therefore, guard your heart. Guard the heart's health because it's desperately wicked. Understand that a healthy heart will provide these healthy thoughts. Therefore, meditate on the word. Uh, your emotions, guard the heart's emotions. Guard the heart's attitude. Guard the heart's thoughts, right? Okay, so <clears throat> a, 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 a thought comes to your mind out of your heart, out of the center of your being. A thought comes to your mind. Whether it's because of something that you saw, a pretty woman or a pretty man, whichever gender you are, and, uh, and a thought comes to mind and it begins to go in a direction that you know it shouldn't be. Cut it off. Stop the blood from flowing to it. Turn off the computer if you're struggling with pornography. Don't take a second look if it's bothering you. Don't go to places where you will be tempted because iniquities, the iniquities that's in your life will drag you off, will take you away, will take you further into, into sin. And so we have to guard it. We have to listen to it. We have to pay attention to our motives, our desires, our passions, our attitudes, all of those things. Our heart is feeding, right? And so when we're bleeding out because we're committing sin, put a tourniquet on it and stop it. We have to guard the heart. We have to be aware of what's going on inside. If we're not aware of the fact that we are sinners and that we have problems, 
We're not going to guard our heart. We're not going to examine our heart. We're not going to care. We're going to live according with the flesh. We're going to do exactly what our flesh tells us to do. We're going to walk according to the flesh rather than walk according to the spirit. Because we don't understand our heart, our very being, and how desperately wicked we are. Now I confess something to you. I like playing and watches, watching uh, uh, Texas Hold'em, the poker game. There's, there's a move in poker when you, when you think that you have the best hand, when you think that you can win it all, you, 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 you push all in. You know, you know how you play poker and you, you put a chip out there and bet each hand? Well, when you think you have the best and you think you're going to take it all, you just say, okay, I bet it all. I'm going to push it all into the, to the center of the table. And you're hoping that somebody else is going to think that they have a pretty good hand and they're going to push in, right? So when you're in Las Vegas and you're at that final table and you're down to just two people, he might have a million dollars worth of chips and you might have two or three million dollars worth of chips. And when you want to win it all and you think like you've got the best hand, you might be pushing in like two or three million dollars worth of chips, pushing it all to the center of the table to win it, to win it all. The, the Bible speaks about the heart. And like poker... God wants you to understand that he is the best hand. And he wants you to be all in. You must love God with your whole heart. You must give God your, your whole life and be willing to die for him if necessary. Now, you don't have anything to give God. We are not, we are not worth much in God's sight. We were enemies of his when he died for us. But he went all in when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And he wants you to go all in and return to him. Jesus wants you to see his value and be all in. Not think that you have value to add it to him. He is all in with his father. And those who he saves will be all in as well. And so we need to think about, are we all in? All of our heart all of our mind, all of our soul, everything. If you examine your heart right now, can you say with confidence, I am all in? What keeps you from worshiping him with fellow believers? Whatever hinders you is the reason that you're not all in. What excuses do you make for following Jesus with all of your heart? That excuse is the reason that you're not all in. What sin do you habitually and willing continue to do? That sin is the reason that you have not moved all in. Sports, fishing, golf, sleeping, shopping, partied last night, stayed up too late, don't really have a love for Jesus. All of these can be reasons for not being all in. If you find that you haven't moved on, all in, will you move all of life's chips to the center of the cross of Jesus today? He is the best hand that you got, and he is worthy of everything that you have. It's time to move all in. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we love you. We love you because you have changed our corrupt heart. Father, we were enemies of you. We didn't think of you. When I wasn't saved, I thought about it. 
but you never were really on my mind every minute of every day. My heart certainly wasn't for you. My mind certainly wasn't for you. It wasn't until that day that you showed how corrupt I was and how great a savior that you were that I pushed my life to the center of the cross and that I seek to serve you every day. And what a great reminder. What a great reminder that our heart, that our soul, at the center of our being, that everything about us needs to be all in. Because we know that we have a victorious Savior in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to put all of our questions aside. Help us to put all of our thoughts, all of our arguments, all of our debates about whether we should believe in Jesus or shouldn't believe in Jesus. But just allow these words today to minister to our hearts. Allow us to see what a good God we serve. Help us to see what a great Savior we have. And if we're on the wall, not quite sure, Lord, help us to see, help them to see that it is a good day, good day to push ourselves to the center of the cross and go all in for Jesus Christ. Use your word to minister to our hearts, Lord. Help us to examine well and help us to guard our heart so that we can be all in every day, which is our desire. We love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.